My name is Gabriel Nalas. I'm a sports reporter for the Emerald, and you're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the final edition of the 2018 Emerald Football Podcast. I am Jack Butler, joined by Maverick Palak. How's it going? Pretty good. You say that in substitute of Sean, who is Sean Meadows, not here. Says that Sean's not here. Time. Sean Sean bailed. Sean ditched. He couldn't take it anymore. He, he needed just... to go get retweeted by the Premier League. Yeah, apparently. The... He just drove out into the wilderness, I think. Yeah. I haven't seen him. Thomas Tyner style? <laughs> He's out fishing. Okay. Good for him. We will go over the upcoming intense Red Box Bowl Oregon's matchup against Michigan State. Uh, Oregon ending the season 8-4. and four. Um, Wins against Washington. Oregon State. Cal. Cal which turned out to actually be a pretty nice win. I didn't think it would. They're lucky they got Cal early, man. Yeah. They hit Cal at the right time to play Cal. Except they were ra- ra- ranked at the time. Cal, right, but, but they had I mean, played. Yeah. No one good at they that beat point. Arizona State. That's a fun little win. Arizona State, nice. Yeah, it's a nice little win. They also have some pretty bad losses uh, on the road against Arizona State. Arizona. Or Arizona. Yeah, we yeah. just said Arizona State. Arizona. Arizona that's Stanford one, probably... Utah with a backup quarterback and backup running back that didn't play all year, really. Yeah. But how about that Pac-12 championship game? Side note. Yikes. How many points did Utah score? (laughs) Three. It was 10-3. to There were no offensive touchdowns. Yeah, a corner was the leading scorer. Washington's only touchdown was freaking pick six. It was horrible. It was a weird pick six, too. It was like tipped up into the air. Yeah. Oh, well. A, a really poor... Where was the Pac-12 championship played? Levi Stadium. Where's the Red Box Bowl played? Levi Stadium. Wow. Bam. We tied that all in. Yeah, amazing. Uh, but before we get into the bowl matchup, what to watch for diving into Michigan State, my, my first question in, in review of the year for Oregon is pretty simply yes or no and why was this, would you consider this season successful for Oregon football? I mean, it was uh, uh, Cristobal's first year as a head coach at a Power 5 school, so I think this was a very successful year for him, uh, for the program as a whole. I think it was because, I mean, what they they were 7-5 and five last year. Correct. Is that math? Yeah. Um, they beat their no, top two rivals in Washington and Oregon State, and I think – they were. Do they should they get credit for beating Oregon? Like, do they get credit for I mean, beating Gary Oregon Anderson State, beat Oregon State, but <laughs> slowly by recruiting <laughs> no one for three years. Yeah, um, but they still beat them. They they could have done what Helfrich did two years ago. This is true. Um, it was raining, and I don't think they put the rain jackets on. Did they? They did not. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, but they had very disappointing losses three weeks out of four, and I thought they could have won two of those. Which ones? They should have beat Arizona, but who who knows what happened there, I think. Did they just not travel to Tucson? I don't know. And then 
They should have beat Utah, in my opinion. They held Utah to, what, six field goals? Their red zone defense was outstanding. Um, let's see, count one, two, three, four. Yeah, five, six field goals. And then you don't come away with those big touchdowns to reward your defense for holding strong, even though the defense didn't even play that great outside of the 20-yard line because they let Jason Shelley and what was the running back's name? I don't remember. Yeah, the back, Armand Shine, who... Mm had like 80 carries in the last two years before that, I think. And they let them put up over 300 yards, 400 yards on them almost. Uh, and so I would say it was, a, it was a solid year, but it's not a disappointment. I think everyone wants to go undefeated at a Pac-12 school, but that's not realistic. I'd say it's a pretty good year. Over under for wins entering the year was eight and a half. So they could beat that. I think I'm pretty sure that's only like regular season. I don't know, man. Or that's definitely like regular season only. Yeah, but bowl game but, stats count. So like right, bowl game stats count, but when doing over unders, like they're only really factoring regular season in. That's a, so, that's a late or a hefty expectation to say nine wins in a coach's first year. Well, I mean. You know, there was I mean, a then lot again, of, they were supposed to have the Heisman quarterback. They, and, you know, they were uh, supposed to have the be- one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Uh, Herbert, a no-show on all of those uh, Pac-12 first and second team. Uh, am I right on that? Minshew was first. Minshew I mean, was first, and then uh, who was second? Well, no, I don't know. You brought it up. Yeah, I know, but I'm pretty – I remember looking it over, and I'm pretty sure he didn't have a uh, – he wasn't on there. Nor was he an honorable mention. You're making me look it up? Yeah. Because mm-hmm, you're in charge. We'll keep talking then. Oh, we're on a we're on a research break. KJ Costello got second team. Are you serious? Okay. He was good. Yeah, but still. Okay, I'm ready to go. So we were, bloop, yeah, bloop, we were paused bloop. there. <laughs> yeah, we did a quick 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 facts. Quick facts check. Um. Yeah, so Gardner Minshew first team, Stanford's KJ Costello second team. Uh, Herbert's overall numbers, I I would say individually, uh, at times a, a little disappointing. I mean, fifty nine percent completion percentage. You'd expect that maybe to be a little bit higher. Um, he had a really good touchdown to interception ratio. Took care of the ball this year, but. Uh, I thought the, you know, overall, I think the season was a success. Yeah, I mean, eight and a half wins, if that's kind of the expected, you know, expected win total and you get eight, you know, that's, that's it's essentially meeting what you expected this year. Um, I think they did, you know, kind of miss an opportunity to really take advantage of a, of a weak non-conference schedule and having Washington and Stanford at home and next year they're not going to do that but you know they got they got to go to Dallas to play Auburn and then they got to go on the road to play Stanford and Washington so I I think a couple missed opportunities but if we're just looking at this year in particular I I would say it was a successful year although given that the Pac-12 was so mediocre across the board they also played three cupcakes in non-conference, so right? But and I'm saying, but even in like Pac-12 play, only this year, like 
the Pac-12 across the board was so mediocre. But they didn't play two of the worst teams in the Pac-12 also. They played Oregon State, the worst team. No, in the no Pac-12. but I'm saying uh, Colorado and USC are not Yeah, counted. yeah, but... They also got UCLA when UCLA was not good yet. Probably yeah. the last week of bad UCLA, wouldn't you say? Yeah, like they didn't play Colorado, but they also got Oregon, Oregon State and... Well, they automatically so, get Oregon State. Right, but I'm saying, like, that's by far the worst team in, in Pac-12 is Oregon State. I don't know, they, they beat that. Colorado. That is true, but at Did the Colorado same time, win a Pac-12? They won one, too? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. They definitely... Well, Colorado was up, what, 34-0 on Oregon oh, State Oh, Colorado blew lost. that game. Colorado wasn't good, and that's why... That's why their coach got fired, but... Mike McIntyre. They heard the Georgia DC Mel Tucker. Yeah, let's see how that Maybe works a good out. Defensive team, Jim Levitt. Uh, so Colorado beat USC. That was their one win in the Pac-12. They they had one win. Yeah, because they beat USC, or they they no I can't count. They beat UCLA. They lost to USC, and they beat Arizona State. So they got two wins. But I think my you know my point being that have they pieced together. Uh, at least one, maybe two performances a little better on the road. The Pac-12 North was, was up for taking. The Pac-12 in general was up for taking. Well, sh- yeah, well, we said that. We, they should have exactly. won three of the, their losses. So, they should have beat so, Stanford. They should have beat Utah. And the, I mean, Utah's a really tough team to beat at Utah, but given the, the circumstance time, circumstances, the backup quarterback, Jason Shelley being in, they should have won. And I think they should have beat Arizona. You know, neutral site. Yeah, they're a far better team than Arizona, but just whenever they well, in every position, they're probably better than <laughs> whenever Arizona. whenever they leave Eugene, they seem to just forget to bring their pads, and they, they seem to forget how to play football for at least one half of a game. Well, they also don't run the ball outside ever or throw the ball to anyone. I mean, given that no one outside of Dill Mitchell can catch the ball, but they also don't throw to anyone outside of Dill Mitchell, so. If teams just helmet to helmet him going across the middle like Arizona did, <laughs> yeah. then that kind of eliminates the only guy that can get open. Not yeah. saying they would have won that game, but true. Offensive MVP, Dill Mitchell. You think it's Dill Mitchell? Without him, Oregon would have had zero passing yards this year. I think without Justin Herbert, they have zero passing well, yards. That's true this too. Year. But I, I think you don't think it's Herbert. To me, I think quarterbacks are just like you, they're in their own thing. Like every team, except for apparently Utah, if you take away their starting quarterback struggles. But Dill Mitchell, I think without him, it would have been Johnny Johnson running streak routes and stuff. And, and Jalen Red over the middle. Yeah, and Jalen Red over the middle, and then. Who would have, uh, I mean, by the way, this is a big call out to any coaches scouting Oregon. Anytime Dill Mitchell goes in motion, they run the ball up the middle. Did you notice that? Anytime he does that, they run straight up the middle. If it's Jalen Red, they might pass the ball. But if it's Dill Mitchell. They just run straight up every, the middle anyways. No, I know. But when Dill Mitchell goes in motion, it's every time. I counted like 30 straight times it was a run up the middle. It was kind of crazy. But uh, see, you don't think did that... I just give my, uh, D'Antonio... Yeah, they 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 couldn't get it on tape, but you. Yeah, yeah, I spoiled it for him. You spoiled um, it for him, but you don't think that if Dylan, you know, if Dylan Mitchell's taken off the roster versus who's if, catching a ball from Justin Herbert, 
Who's throwing? Who? How is this offense close to anywhere? Like who? Who? Who's giving the ball to Mitchell if the quarter if Tyler Herbert's Shuck. taken away? I just like I. I know you know we're we're kind of talking about this year in isolation, but like I can't look at last year and say that with probably a a better run game last year. I don't know. I thought the run game was really good th- this year. I thought it was okay. I thought the, it was inconsistent. It, it's hard to run the ball when the defense knows you're running right well, in between they, the guards every play. Right, and, and that's an issue, you know, diff, you know, differently. But I mean, it, o- Oregon's run defense in Pac-12 was essentially in the middle. It was fifth. Run defense or run offense? Okay, was fifth. In conference yeah, with, play with only the, with the freshman in a, in a right, and, and that's freshman. what I'm saying. So last year when you had Royce and you had Kanai and Kanai had a couple pieces, and Tony Burke James was allowed to carry the ball. That's true. Like they couldn't do anything. So I think you know Herbert, most valuable player. Like I see this I, offense goes I, nowhere I, without I have him. No and, doubt and, that and Herbert is. Well, I understand why Dylan Mitchell is the only one that. You know, caught a pass at the same time. Like it doesn't matter if Dylan Mitchell's out there if no one can pass it in the first place. Yeah, but it doesn't matter if Justin Herbert's out there if no one can catch the ball. Like it, it, you need both. I guess it's a tie because without Dylan Mitchell, <laughs> Herbert wouldn't be able to throw to anyone, and without Herbert, Dylan Mitchell would be a very good run blocker. I guess. <laughs> I just don't see like like it, it, tell me okay. I feel like so Dylan the I, biggest play or biggest game of the season for Oregon was winning that Washington game to set up that CJ Verdell touchdown was the what third and 14 pass to Dylan Mitchell where he he, yeah, he ran okay. a stop route. Do you trust anyone else on this Oregon football team to catch that ball and run that route correctly? I'd say the would number you, 2 would person you, I trust on this team to do that is probably a defensive player. Ugo? Yeah, something. I don't know. <laughs> Would you trust any other person on that roster, any other quarterback? Oh, they're not in that game if there's another quarterback. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank I'm you. just saying I it's a tie. We, I think no, it's, it's a tie. It's I don't know. I think it's pretty clearly Justin Herbert, even though I think, you know, maybe this was our own expectations taking it too far, even though I think, you know, he was a little disappointing at times. But I see what you're saying. Like I, I see, you know, obviously, you know, if I'm ranking these one, two, three, it's probably one Herbert, two Dylan Mitchell, three Calvin Throckmorton, or Shane Lemieux. Yeah, I would say. Well, I think Shane Lemieux had the better like season and probably the well, best. Do you just like season. lump the offensive line together? No, I just okay. see. I just see, like, well, I think individually, Lemieux hasn't missed a snap, dude. He's right, but I say it's because. You know, Lemieux may be better individually, but Throckmorton just he was so valuable no, no, I know to that Throckmorton's offensive line by playing so many that's the only reason read I read my cover story from yeah. week, whatever. Uh, <laughs> oh, I had to. Yeah. Uh but we like Quantity Throck- over quality, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> but since Throckmorton just played so many positions like throughout oh, the yeah, offensive no, line, I I know that, that's why I important. bump him I would bump him up to third. I guess Shane Lemieux would be fourth in my offensive okay. MVP so, rankings. So take out quarterback, running backs, and Dylan Mitchell in the offensive line. Who is the most important player on <laughs> so, the offense? So you could have just said tight ends the or a wide receiver. Line. Who's more important in an offense? Yeah, no, what player on this team do you think was most important? Jalen Red? 
what's your question? You asked yeah, so, like five so questions. Take out all like, the important players. Well, who is that? So so we're going with Jalen Red, Brandon Schooler, Johnny Johnson, Jacob Breland, or Cano well, Dillon. It's clearly Jalen Red. Yeah. Okay. Like cool. He was. By Glad f- we're on the same page here. Yeah. Yeah. Do you Jay- want to do defense? Jalen Red was by far their second best receiving weapon. Yeah. I mean, he had a couple drops, but he also had what six plus touchdowns. Something he right was there. good. He was yeah. good this year. I thought he was yeah. solid. But defensively, do we disagree again? Who is who is your MVP? Who's your defensive MVP of 2018? Well, I mean, Troy Dye was incredibly important. He led the team in tackles. I think he had 109 tackles, something like 107. that. 107. Ooh, without knowing, I, I was pretty darn close. So I would say he was very important, but I would go with um, the defensive backfield just as a whole, staying healthy was the MVP. I'd say the corners, honestly. Pick one. Pick one player. Oh, if I have to pick one player, I'm going Amadi. But if, I, if I'm if allowed so to So Ugo Amadi is your Oregon defensive, MV, defensive yeah, MVP. Yeah, but if I'm picking like a group, the fact that, I mean, I think they should at least get a shout-out is the fact that D'Amador, Lenore, and Thomas Graham Jr. stayed healthy because if one of them got hurt, it would be either a true freshman, Khalif Halesi, or a transfer, Hockey Woods, being starting corner and I think that was really important that those two stayed on the field for this team people bashed on maybe some of their play but at the end of the year I thought they were two very good corners and I thought they were very important to this team but yeah Ugo MVP Ugo's your MVP Justin shocked he didn't get a all pack 12 yeah that was surprising he 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 had some make the list he had some some words on on the Twitter yes about that but uh, to me, Justin Hollins is I- interesting how Jalen Jelks was first team all Pac-12. And again, maybe this was just our own expectations from how well he played his junior year, but it didn't seem like, you know, maybe he grades out, you know, for a bunch of little things that we just don't see really well. But he was the he was the only duck on, on a first team all Pac-12. No, Brendan Schooler. Okay, spe- not it's not counting special teams, but <laughs> hey, hey, offense you know, or defense. I, love my special teams, I know you do, but offense or defense, he was the only one. And, yeah, and I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't that. say he had a year that popped out. I mean, again, maybe that's well, I think our own expectations. Doug fans maybe had um, unfair expectations, thinking he would be DeForest Buckner this year. And yeah, I mean, I didn't think that, but even then, like, I if I had to say, if I had to guess who would have been. I mean, I guess he won, been. like, Defensive Player of the Week on the Oregon Twitter page, like, I think eight times this year. So, obviously, yeah, that's they what it probably was, was. Like, he probably did a lot everything that we don't just well. Like, he did, maybe didn't have that signature play or, like, have that one game where he just absolutely dominated. Yeah, like last year against Arizona State where he almost yeah. single-handedly won them that yeah. game, honestly. But, Overall, but, he was just probably through and through the most solid and consistent out of all. Yeah, we're not paid enough to go through film, but that is I mean, true. He, he might have been a big cause of those just Justin Holland sacks. So maybe it should be Jalen Jelks, but I, I I'm gonna go with Justin Holland's third on the team total tackles, first in tackles for loss, first in sacks. Uh, and if you can guess bonus point, if you can guess who's second in sacks. Gus Cumberlander. Yep. 
Second, second what, on the like team three? in sacks. Four. Wow. Yeah. Jalen uh, Jelks had three point five. Yeah. Holland's five sacks. Justin Holland's an interception. Well, who was that solid. against? Seven pass breakups. Oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> he had that one play. Do you remember against Cal when where he fell yeah. for the pump fake and he was just like <laughs> flying in the air for like ten? Oh, that minutes. was Washington. Oh, that was Washington. He had a play a week before in Cal that he went out on the like wheel route with the running back and then swatted yeah, yeah. the ball away. That was really. He had a couple of those this yeah. year because no, obviously no, no, he, he did a lot in pass coverage. Was, his interception was against San Jose State, by the way. Yeah. I knew it didn't. I knew it was reason. Two tackles for a loss and an interception and a forced fumble against San Jose State. Four and and and, and a pass Justin, Justin Hollins, four forced fumbles. Yeah, that is a lot and of forced fumbles. Five quarterback hurries, second on the team. So who's to, first? Lamar Winston. Dude, Lamar, solid. Yeah, he didn't get the sacks, but he was like right there every single. He time. He got the touchdown. He, he yeah, got he got touchdown. the touchdown, and he's a big play guy. Big, big play guy. Another but, cover story you should read on dailyemerald.com. Again, quantity. No. Quality. <laughs> but to me, I mean, Justin Hollins was kind of just solid across the board and, and made some pretty big plays. He didn't, towards the end of the year, he didn't quite have as big a plays as he did at the start of the year. But looking at his year as a whole, I think he, you know, he's up there on every statistical category defensively and to me, he just was a, a guy that, you know, made the most of his senior year and played really well. And I was kind of surprised maybe he didn't get a little more recognition. But some pretty good pass rushers in the Pac-12 this year. But but I thought he was a guy that was kind of somebody they really needed to step up because I think, like, with Troy Dye and Jalen Jelks, like, we knew they were really talented. And we well, knew Troy Dye, I think, was hurt all year, too. Remember against no, Washington, Troy Dye had a – I thought Troy Dye had a – had a good year, had a solid yeah. year, but yeah. I'm, but I'm saying we knew entering the year that Troy Dye and Jalen Jelks were good, but there were question marks elsewhere. How many steps could Jordan Scott Austin Fowle you take? Uh, you Fae know, Elu. Fae Elu. I mess it up every time. Well, because we heard Fowle for like five months, and then all of a sudden it was Fae Elu. Yeah. It was like Tyrod Taylor versus Tyrod Taylor. I'm still calling him Tyrod. Yeah, I'm calling him Tyrod. It's too late. You can't change it at that point in your yeah, When you're 29. Yeah. At that point, when we've known you for a decade, like... Well, it was like Tony Dorsett was like Tony Dorsett for like three <laughs> years in college, and then all of a sudden, boom, curveball. Well, this may be urban legend, and it may be false, but I'm pretty sure it's technically Joe Thiesman, but when he was in really? college... Their, they tried to say Heisman. P, their PR campaign or whatever was was you know Heisman for Heisman. So then they became, that could be really wrong. That's just something I've heard. It, it that might, has nothing to do with this, but thank you. Yeah, well, I appreciate. We're that. on the topic yeah. of college football players' names changing. So yeah, well, why not? You know, well, until we get like it's actually Justin, <laughs> Justin Her- Herbert, Ju- Justin Herbert. It's actually French, yeah. yeah. So it's Herbert. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a big French community in Eugene, Oregon. It's like Stephen Colbert. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Herbert. You want to talk Michigan State? No. <laughs> this is a great Big Ten hard nosed football team. Uh, fun thing I threw out before we started this podcast: offensively, in terms of scoring offense. 
in the Big Ten, only ahead of Rutgers. Rutgers, yes. The powerhouse, the New Jersey powerhouse, Rutgers. Yeah, uh, uh, Michigan State is not good. Under 20 points a game. I, I was shocked that, you know, I didn't really pay attention to them that much this year. I watch a lot of Big Ten football. When I saw that Michigan State was a contender for the Red Box Bowl, I was shocked that they were bulk eligible. I thought they only won five games this year. But they, they had a little uh, late push uh, getting that Buckers win, 14-10. Oh, my. In the last game of the season. Uh, you know how many points they scored in their last three games? Tell me. They played Ohio State, Nebraska, Buckers. They won, They scored 26 total points. They scored six against Ohio State and six against Nebraska in a 9-6 loss to Scott Frost. Because as we know, Scott Frost is built around defense. Am I right? Defensive coach. Defensive hard-nosed yeah, coach. Yeah. They but, beat Purdue, though. Well, it, it, and, and, well, and they beat well, Penn State. Yeah, no, it's a weird team. But to their credit, their defense is what's winning them Can games. Can you tell me who their starting quarterback is, Jack? Um, They switch off between what? Is it Lewerke? Yeah, Lewerke's one of the and, guys. And oh, who's the other guy? Rocky Lombardi. That's it. What a name. Um, both Dude. ineffective. Both both equally ineffective. Do Does LJ Michigan Scott State have more injured. touchdown passes or interceptions this year? Interceptions. Yeah, they have 13 thrown interceptions, 10 by Lewerke, 3 by Rocky Lombardi, and they have 12 total touchdown passes, 8 by Lewerke, 3 by Lombardi, and 1 by Daryl Stewart Jr., who is... What, a wide receiver? Was it a yeah, wide receiver Yeah, he's a wide pass? receiver, yeah. Why don't they just make him the quarterback? He's they, clearly statistically the best QB on their team. Well, he, he actually isn't because uh, Connor Hayward... The running back uh, has a 402 rating. Oh, actually, yeah, no, no, yeah. Daryl Stewart Jr. has a 463. So the quarterback matchup should be Daryl Stewart Jr. versus Blake Maimon? Yeah, honestly. Well, Maimon, I mean, Breland was totally in, but they didn't give him the touchdown on that. That was a bummer, but. Right, but he's one for one. Yeah. He's 100%. Well, Connor Hayward would get in on that action too. And, you know, Cody White, the receiver, also has one completion for six yards. So, three so they position got, players have passes. They got year. options. Yeah, they have five guys that could throw the ball. Watch out. Yeah. They have no one that can really catch the ball. I guess Cody White and Daryl, or Felton Davis the third are their two big threats. Felton Davis the third has four touchdowns. But they win defensively. They are third in the Big Ten defensively, averaging... Only allowing 18 points per game. Yeah, has Oregon played a team like this in the last, what? Well, Utah's defense and Washington's defense. Yeah, I'd say some well, of I the think best the in the country. The closest team so. to this is Arizona State, honestly. Their defense. Defensively? Yeah, Arizona State, I thought, had a good defense this year. I think mm. not statistically. I mean, really. Arizona State. I think this is most like, this game's essentially going to be most like Utah. Like a team, they can't really throw the ball. They're going to want to run the ball. And they're going to win defensively. And they're going to be big and really physical. Yeah, but... I mean, Oregon's definitely probably got a little more speed and overall athleticism. I don't think Michigan State has a quarterback as good as Jason Shelley, the, Apparently the, not. the redshirt freshman. Yeah, and and Oregon couldn't stop him from running, but Washington, or Michigan State doesn't have that running threat at quarterback. Yeah. Um, so 
you know, he's one dimensional and that one dimension is bad because they can't throw. So the question is whether Oregon's offense, who has been underwhelming this year, to say the least, and inconsistent, uh, that, you know, can they put up, you, you mentioned earlier in the podcast that Utah, you know, that Utah game that had Oregon scored like one more time or just was slightly better, they probably win that game. Is that how one-score games work? If you score one more time, you probably win? Well, it depends. Um, could be field goal. You could be, know something could be, funny? Could be touchdown. I watched the Michigan State-Utah State game the first week of the season where Utah State should have won that game, by the way. But um, the announcer called Brian Lewerke a Heisman hopeful. Oh. And it's a hot a, take. A hot take that did not age well. I need to find out who that announcer is, but that is the my favorite thing of the years when I heard that and I thought, is he talking about the Michigan State quarterback? And yes, he was. Brian Lewerke, who has eight touchdowns, ten interceptions this year, was a Heisman hopeful apparently, which then brought, brings me to my point. Is every single returning starter at a Power 5 school, like a quarterback returning starter, considered a Heisman hopeful? I mean... Is everyone a Heisman hopeful? Because I mean, well, no, like never. No, but like hopes who, who, who the Heisman? media calls Heisman hopefuls. Like, who do you just have to be a returning starter at a Power Five school? You have to be an announcer trying to sell viewers to watch Michigan Utah State. State. Utah State. <laughs> Michigan State. That's 30, what you 38, have to be. Thirty-eight, thirty-one. I think that's their um, highest scoring game all yeah. year. It, so it is. So Michigan State's run offense. Actually, not that good. Yeah. Well, LJ Pass Scott offense. got hurt. That's their yeah. big running back, and and that he's essentially redshirted. That's essentially tanked their rush offense season. Yeah. Then, one, one of the top running backs in the country, and he's just gonna redshirt. Only played four games. And their pass, luckily. their pass offense in terms of yards per game is in the middle of the Big Ten, which Big Ten not known for you, its you passing. Have to throw like eighty-four yards to be middle yeah. of the Big Ten. Not known for its passing, so. The real battle, uh, you know, this game's probably probably decided by special teams. God no, whose kickers can make? Oh my god, four field goals. I don't think Adam Stack can. Well, do you think that? Um, Matt Coughlin, ooh, sixteen for nineteen. That's a baller kicker, man. Four for five from forty. He's no Matt Gay. Oh. That was Utah's kicker. Yeah, Matt Gay and also Stanford's kicker Jet Toner. Jet Toner. They were both. Also a great name. Yeah, they, yeah. I mean, I think this final score is like Oregon. Well, the over under uh, for this one is twelve. Not the prettiest at forty eight. So I'm going under. Yeah, I will probably take that under too. Oregon opened as the one and a half point favorite, is now moved to two and a half points. So clearly, Vegas doesn't feel that strongly one way or the other. However, people seem maybe betting Oregon on that a little bit more. Okay. Can I get my score? You may. Final. 23 Oregon with a missed extra point added in there. Um, Come on, Stack. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe they go for two. Who knows? Come on, Adam. Uh, I'm going Oregon 23, Michigan State 20. Okay. I'm going to say I know in our pickums. I picked Michigan State, yeah, but I don't actually think they're going to win. I did that only to try and win mathematically 
their overall rankings. Yeah, I get it. I get it. So I'm going to say Oregon 19, Michigan State 12. Four field goals for Michigan State? Sure. Or or two touchdowns? Or six safeties. Well, they could get a touchdown, a field goal, and a safety. True. That's how math works. I'm going to say Michigan State forces Oregon into six safeties. And that's how Michigan State gets 12. No offensive touchdowns for Michigan State, but six safeties. Oregon gets 20 points or 19 points by what? Uh, seven safeties uh, or eight safeties in a field goal? Two touchdowns of two field goals, but they're subtracted one because if you allow six safeties, you lose a point. You lose a point. Wow. Which is a little known rule in football. Yeah, I didn't know that existed. Yep. If you've made it this far, you deserve a medal. So thank you for listening to the final edition of the 2018 Emerald Football Podcast. Uh, we'll probably do one in the far future for Oregon spring football, but that's that's far, far. Will Justin future. Herbert be on the team? Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. Probably. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Maybe he he only knows maybe at this point. But uh, for more Emerald podcasts or for more Emerald content, you can visit www dailyemerald.com where we have all of our written work we also have more podcasts on the bar on the side you can also listen to them on soundcloud itunes spotify um where you can find all kinds of wonderful wonderful non-football we even have basketball other things happening around the university of oregon thank you for listening I'm glad I'm glad this is over. Sean, you have any takes? Well, Manchester United. <laughs> yeah, Manchester United on United. Okay. Just end it. Jesus. Let's go home. Oh my god. That was Sean. Sean made it. We took off Sean's duct tape. Bloody hell, mate. We should we we took off Sean's face or er, er, face mouth duct tape that we put over him. He couldn't fit he, on the camera, too so many, he's just not allowed to Too many to play. fire takes. He came to the wrong school for the Willie Taggart hot seat take after one year at Taggart. He should have gone to Forge State and done that this year. Who he did that last first, year. Willie Taggart or Ryan Day. Uh, we're done.